Welcome to the Vital Dawn Podcast for Monday, October 24th. U.S. equity futures are trading lower, so you have S&P futures down about 19 points. That's about 50 basis points. Dow futures are off 137 points. That's about 44 basis points. And then the NASDAQ futures are off about 75 points, which is about 66 basis points. So down 45 to 65 basis points for U.S. equity futures. There was a huge fade in the S&P futures. So you have about a 75-point peak to trough pullback in U.S. equity futures. So about 2% off the highs hit last night. Um, so pretty big pretty big uh, uh, pullback, which I'll get to in a second. The major European indices are trading up about 30 to 65 basis points off their highs of the morning, but still in the green. You have underperformance in Europe in basic resources, tech and energy. You have outperformance in utilities, healthcare, retail, media, and consumer staples. And then Asia was very mixed. Um, you know, I think Hong Kong and mainland China are very much in focus today. So the Hang Seng fell over 6%. The big tech stocks in Hong Kong um, suffered very sharp pullback. So JD.com, Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, all off over 10%. Um, Shanghai Comp fell about 2%. And then you had green price action. So you had rallies in Japan, um, Taiwan, Korea, and Australia. So a few items to note this morning, I think um, the situation in China is probably the biggest macro story. So you had the conclusion of the big Chinese Congress. Um, you know, she tightened his grip even further on power. So eliminated any source of dissent, eliminating any obvious um, successor. So suggesting he'll be not only in power for another term, but perhaps one or two more. Um, and so I think the basic takeaway is that you're not going to see any imminent changes in policies, either economic policy, COVID policy, or tech policy. Um, I think that's the real main disappointment. I really don't think there was a big expectation going into this event that you would see kind of a real sharp pivot on the part of China uh, in terms of, again, it's, it's policy. Most people assume that she would get another term. Um, and you know he was very aggressive, like I said, in terms of moving out. Um, any type of dissent. All of the people now on the Politburo Standing Committee are um, extreme loyalists to him. And again, I think that the, the knee-jerk takeaway, at least, is that everything is kind of status quo for the time being in China, um, You know, which, again, is negative as far as policy is concerned. You did have China finally released economic data for September and Q3. Remember, this was held up for nearly about a week. It was supposed to be out about next last Tuesday. Um, they delayed it until the Congress was over. So I, the data, if anything, I think in aggregate was probably a small net positive. The September numbers are really what's most important for markets. Um, and the data was, like I said, generally decent. The Q3 GDP also came in ahead of expectations. But I think that's not really driving the narrative right now. It's real more just the um, you know the leadership reshuffle in China. Um, so that's the situation in Hong Kong. Um, you know, Clearly a negative uh, for macro sentiment this morning so far. But I think somewhat isolated um, in terms of being very China specific. I don't think there was, again, a real huge expectation among U.S. equity investors for this big kind of policy change out of China from the weekend. Um, in the U.K., Rishi Sunak very likely to become the next prime minister. I think that was the consensus expectation heading into the weekend on Friday. Um, you know, Boris Johnson made a bid. It, it flamed out pretty quickly. So he dropped out over the weekend. Um, and again, Rishi Sunak extremely likely to become the next prime minister. You still have this budget that's due out on the 31st, which is kind of the next main catalyst. You know that could be delayed, assuming um, you know, depending on what happens with um, with with Rishi Sunak coming into office. It looks like he will keep Jeremy Hunt as the finance minister. 
Um, and then beyond, you know, after the 31st, you were coming right up on the BOE meeting, um, which is again, another big catalyst for the UK. So I think those are the next two events to watch will be that budget. Um, and then the BOE decision in Russia and Ukraine, um, you know, no real major changes as far as kind of where, what the situation is on the ground. Um, Ukraine continues to make military headway. Um, it looks like they could be on the cusp of taking back the Kherson, uh, city of Kherson, um, the Russian defense minister held a flurry of phone calls with his counterparts in the U.S., U.K., France, and Turkey. Um, doesn't seem like there's real any major resolution to anything, um, but I will say that the natural gas prices continue to collapse in Europe, the U.K., and then the U.S. as well. So perhaps this is the market sniffing out some type of a detente um, in the near term. Again, not really clear as far as just reading the tea leaves in the headlines that that's real imminent, but the natural gas the, um, collapse really is what you can call it in, in Europe, especially, is certainly very, very notable. I think one of the biggest macro developments in the last couple of weeks, um, and that's certainly suggestive of the market becoming a little bit more um, sanguine about the whole situation um, between those two. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. Countries. Uh, and that's kind of it as far as major international news is concerned. In the U.S., no big headlines over the weekend, but you know, on Friday you had um, you know a, a very important change in the Fed narrative. Um, this has been kind of seeping into Fed messaging for the last week or so. It really broke into the fore on Friday. You had a Wall Street Journal article about 9 a.m., um, and then you had comments from the San Francisco Fed President Daly. And you're again, the, the, the messaging is this kind of stop and hold policy that the Fed seems to now be messaging to market. So you're going to get 75 basis points in November. Um, perhaps that gets dropped down to 50 basis points in December. And that could be the last hike, depending on where things shape up. So that 75 and then 50 would get you to about four and a half percent of the funds rate by the end of this year. Um, and then again, the stop and hold. So staying at four and a half percent for several quarters. And watching to see um, how the economic data develops. And so Fed officials talking a lot more about lagged effects. So, and this is something Daly was very explicit if you want to go back and listen to the replay of her on Friday, just talking about how employment and inflation lag the most out of any other economic, any other economic um, numbers. And so the Fed can't simply continue hiking until they start to see inflation really move. They have to eventually stop um, and then, and then take it on faith that they're going to, you're going to see the economy evolve in, in, um, in the right direction. Um, so lagged effects is becoming, you know, a, a big part of Fed messaging and then two side to risk. So the risk of, of hurting growth is starting to equal the risk of fueling further inflation. Um, and then, like I said, that stop and hold. So that is definitely, um, an important shift in the Fed narrative. I don't, I hesitate to use the word pivot. Pivot to me is kind of a 180 degree change in, in, in direction, which they are not doing. Um, you know, they're still going to be, a, it's still a very restrictive policy holding at four and a half percent and holding the rate at that level for several quarters. That's still restrictive in their view. They're still, um, you know, that still will be a headwind for the economy, but certainly a moderation in the intensity of the hawkishness. And that's definitely a positive. Um, 
so that's kind of the landscape for this morning as far as incremental news is concerned. I think you still have further upside. I don't think you're going to get above 3,900 in the very near term. Um, you know, I think for that to occur, you're going to have to see a real shift in the inflation rate dynamic, which I don't, you're not seeing that occur yet. Um, that may not come for a couple more months at least. So 3,900 will stay a ceiling. Um, for this week, this week and next week are going to be, like I've been saying, a very crucial 14-day period for the markets. This week is the peak of earnings season in terms of volume of important reports. Um, you also have a bunch of macro events this week. You have U.S. GDP on Thursday. You have a bunch of U.S. inflation numbers on Friday. You have a bunch of central bank decisions, Canada, Brazil, ECB, BOJ all this week. Um, and then looking at the next week, you obviously have the Fed decision and a lot more. So these next two weeks are going to be crucial um, in terms of possibly resolving a lot of the big macro overhangs in the market. Um, and that is everything for today, Monday, October 24th. Thank you for listening.